That is the sound of a Rockstar Zero being popped open. Shout out to Rockstar. You just got some free promotion. I'm not saying you have to pay me, but I'm just saying some recomp. I don't know how to say that word. Some payment would be appreciated for that free promotion on the greatest podcast in the world. How you doing? How you feeling? Shout out to every single pair of ears that is listening to me live. I appreciate it. Um, I would also like to give a dedication to the young man who, in one of my comments on TikTok, let me know that he was making $120 an hour with half half day pay for full half day half day pay too in LA. I did not know that. I did not know, you know, you know it's always interesting when you talk to people who are um making significantly a lot more than you are making. I know I know the the construction workers they get a bad rap cuz I think a lot of us grew up looking at construction like it's like it's like grunt work, but you know, hey, nowadays it's paying good. You know, but before we get into the topic, I just want to say this: it's so interesting how like, and when I say this, this is kind of going to concentrate to California natives, but this can bounce out to um, people who live in the Midwest and everything too. You know, in central in the Central Valley, I feel like it's more common to meet people who do construction to pay their bills. People who have four bedroom houses, five bedroom homes, got two homes. They're usually working construction, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like somewhere in the hard trades. But when you go to San Francisco or San Jose, they all work for Facebook, Instagram, all the little sites that you're you're um, secondhand cheating on your wife because you're following some beautiful woman from Brazil who has uh, butt injections. Like you know, all the all the they work for those sites. Like it's weird. I bring it up because it's interesting how I feel like the blue collar industry, the blue collar work. In Central Valley, Modesto, Stockton, the more parts of California that people don't know exist unless you live out here, is more construction. But when you go to San Francisco, basically blue collar work is being a computer engineer, being a computer programmer. That's crazy, right? Like that's a crazy thing, bro. Like nobody ever talks about that. It's weird how that um how that works. I actually just took a sip out of that Rockstar for the first time after I popped it. I'm gonna say this: that Rockstar tastes disgusting. I'm if you if you I'm gonna tell you something throughout this podcast. If you hear me take another sip of this of the drink, I must be really thirsty right now. But how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? I'm in very good spirits. I'm in very good spirits. Um, I got a lot of new followers in the podcast thanks to TikTok. Uh, my videos have been really picking up a lot of steam on TikTok, like a lot of steam. I ended up getting um, eight. Right now, I got 8,000 followers in like five days because I started taking clips of the podcast and putting them on TikTok. And so people have been, you know, tuning in. So I appreciate the new audience. Um, um, It's just been dope. You know, a lot of people are. The dopest thing I think about the podcast to me is um. When I talk about these things, you know, some of these topics that I talk about for, for some people, they go over people's heads. Like how I brought up this thing about the blue collar thing or how people who work construction jobs, people who live in the valley, et cetera, et cetera. But there are, and a lot of people who listen to that, you know, they might live somewhere, or probably work at a, at, a, at a Starbucks. So they're kind of like, what are you talking about? I can't relate to that. But it's interesting, like, you'll go on tick like all my videos i got hundreds of comments on my videos now on tiktok of people saying man i relate to that yeah man i know what that's like it's interesting it's it's interesting just it's interesting just the concept of um of relating to another human being about a shared experience that me we might have had in school or high school or just being in infancy etc you know um 
I was, um, there was one out of all the videos I did out there that really, and I've been in all my videos, a lot of my videos on TikTok got 70,000, 200,000, 20,000, 30,000 views. There was one video I did that, um, really touched a note with me and I wanted to talk about it because I feel like as Californians, we're going to meet in, in front this issue a lot as we all migrate away from California because reality is it's getting way too dang expensive to live here. So there was somebody in one of my videos who made a comment talking about how in Hurricane Katrina, because this video that the video that he had commented on was a video of me talking about um black and Mexican relations. As far as like when you go to Northern California, or Southern California, because there is a difference, you know, for those who don't know. And he was telling me like how in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, there were a lot of Mexican workers that went to New Orleans to go work out there as far as construction because they had got a lot of construction contracts out there to help rebuild the city. And when that happened, you know, as a lot of dudes from New Orleans who were robbing the Mexicans and attacking them and the FBI had to come down there because it ended up becoming a race war. And I responded to him, and like I told him in the video I did, you're absolutely right. That did happen. The reason why I can't say it was a single I hate Mexicans thing is because if you live down south, which I had just moved down south after Hurricane Katrina happened, if there's anybody from Texas, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, please let me know in the comments when this goes on YouTube or when this goes on artists on my Instagram or TikTok. I'll tell you, it was people from New Orleans and Louisiana when they got had to go to texas and go to atlanta or georgia they and excuse my language they were fucking up every goddamn where i mean fucking up everywhere fort worth the crime rates were going up because of people from new orleans houston texas the crime rates were going up because of people from new orleans atlanta the crime rates were going up because of people from new orleans and like i was telling him like it, it, it was an interesting moment because in that time i don't care if you were black white or mexican Everybody down south hated black people from New Orleans. Anytime I told you, there was a there was a there was a point in time, 2005, 2006, late 2005, 2006, 2007, where if you walked into a club or if you went to a bar anywhere and you said, hey, I'm from New Orleans or Louisiana, there might be an issue issue and people might be tense because reality is there was a really bad stigma against people from that region. I can speak to it because I got to tell people all the time. A, great, a sizable portion of my family is from New Orleans, Louisiana. I have a lot of family in Texas right now because of New Orleans, you know, because of the Hurricane Katrina. So I understand that. And the craziest thing about that was when I put that video up, there were so many people. Thanks to shout out to all my, my fans, my fans, my followers, my clan. I'm stupid. But there were a lot of people who were in my comments letting me know, man, bro, I remember, man, I was in fifth grade in Dallas, in, in Dallas, Texas when they came, and it went crazy. Bro, I remember, man, I was in Tyler, Texas when that came. Bro, I remember I lived in Fort Worth, and I, I came, I came. Well, I lived in Houston, I remember. And it was crazy. That's the thing about when people share their experiences with you. It's crazy to see people say, have a, like, to read your comments and people say, like, bro, I remember being a kid and going through that. Yep, you're speaking to. That's, I think, what kind of makes me love the podcast is like, even if I'm telling my story and my experiences about things, it's it's something, it's a whole different feeling to speak to somebody's individual experience about a situation, you know. But um, so going from that, like I was telling him, that situation in retrospect made me look at immigration a lot differently because 
there were a lot of people who left New Orleans, who left Bat not Baton Rouge, who left New Orleans, who left Jefferson Parish, who left St. Charles Parish and went to Houston, Texas for refuge, who went to Atlanta, Georgia for refuge, who really did need help and came there only to try to just restart their life and do better. My family who's in Louisiana right now are examples of them. But those bad apples that came and reality is, just statistics will tell you, made the crime rates go up. It's really hard to meet somebody from, I always tell you this, and when I say this, y'all, to those who are from Louisiana, New Orleans, do not judge me because y'all know it's true. It is really hard to meet somebody from Texas, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, who will give you a positive, positive, um, uh, we'll say Carfax report on people on black people from New Orleans. But that situation was what really taught me about immigration, because, you know, when when Trump a few years ago was talking about Mexico, what he was saying, when they come over here, they bring their, they don't bring their best, they bring their criminals, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I hate that, 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 that a Mexican across the, that, that anti-Mexican immigration conversation, we in America, like I read, I remember two years ago, I really did some deep research on it and I can't speak to it all the way as I could back then because I'm, it's just been a while since I read up on it. That is a conversation that we've been having in California specifically for like the last hundred years, bro. I'm just tired of it. Like, I don't like talking about issues. Issues like that, I don't like talking about because I feel like that's something that's just always going to be a problem, you know? I mean, the funniest thing that I remember, do y'all remember uh, two years ago, like when the pandemic first hit? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, 2020 March, and uh, Mexico closed the border and said they weren't allowing anybody from America in because this was like, I think, when they only had like five cases of COVID in Mexico. <laughs> Yo, I was so ha- I was so proud of Mexico. I was like, yeah, that's about time. That's right. Tell them, tell them, tell them, Mexico. Yeah, let your nuts hang, Mexico. Do them like that. So um, bring all this up full circle to Californians because in the clip in the um in the clip art for this podcast, you're probably gonna see a picture of a white car that has "Go Back to California" spray painted on it. You know, very, very, very. Very interesting act of vandalism. When you go to Texas, speaking of migration to Texas, there are a lot of Californians who in the last recent, the last four to five years have moved to Texas because, simply put, California is fucking bugging. California think it's normal to charge more for a place to live than two people who with two functioning jobs could pay together to live at. So there are a lot of people, reality is, who are moving from California to Texas. And because of that, it's a lot of things that come into play. For one, they're making the prices of rent. Landlords and homeowners out there are raising rents because you know they know they can charge California people a little bit more. They know they can charge. They know they can charge people from California more than the average Texan has to pay, and a California will still pay it because to us it's it's like well damn shit it's still good. And then on top of that, another issue is reality is Texas is a Republican state. Most Californians vote Democrat, and you know, the more Democrats that come out there, the less Texas becomes Republican. And what you have to understand is a lot of the things that you would like about a Texas, less taxes that you have to pay, you know, cheaper, cheaper, uh, cheaper style living. A lot of a lot of that, it comes in tail with because Texas is a Republican state. Now, somebody asked me a a while ago, um, one of my comments, because they were asking why my opinion sounds so crazy sometimes, like, do I identify as Republican or Democrat? I don't identify as Democrat or Republican or anything because I'm not informed enough on both parties. Now, I would tell you in the ideal perfect world, 
I would identify as Republican, but I just don't like just to be all the way honest with you. I still do not feel that there's a proper representation for black Republicanism for me, for black people. I personally feel like the reason why Republican, why modern day Republicans never speak to me is because I don't like that whenever you see people who are who are black Republicans, they to me, it just always seems like they're just trying to appease white people too much. Like that one guy, Larry Elders from uh, from California, who tried to run for governor of California. And he just was like, the thing about all that I always say is you can be a, a black Republican and be for all things Republican and conservative because quiet as it's kept, I do feel in my heart of hearts the Republican conservative way of mind is the way to lower the poverty rate in the black community. Now, keep in mind, the poverty rate in the black community has been lowering, but I think that is the way to to this day. I always think about this till this day. Being black is almost synonymous with poverty. And what I mean by that is to this day, the ghetto is like a core center of our culture. Like reality is a lot of us come from like even growing up as a kid, even when we moved out the hood and we moved in a nice neighborhood, when we would go to my grandma's house, she was in the hood, like the core of our neighborhood, a core of our of our of our cultures usually ascended in the ghetto and poverty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like the conservative Republican mindset of just I, I feel like that'd be the way for us. If we got together as a clan, if we got together as a group and focused on doing that. But if we're always just trying to like, I don't like how it's just always like you're trying to like, I just don't feel there's this proper Republicanism. There's proper representation for a black Republican Party that's trying to better black people, not just trying to appease white people. Now, if you have that, then, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool. You know, it is what it is. Because I'll tell you straight up. I tell people all the time, you know, that. Well, let me allow that to be another topic. Well, I was about to say something. But anyway, so with that being said. That's I bring that up because I'm seeing like a lot of anti anti California hate from people from Texas, people from Arkansas, people from LA because they don't they don't want more from Texas and more from Utah, more from Idaho. I'm seeing this because you know they don't want Californians to come there and mess everything up. Now the interesting thing about that is what they don't know. A lot of people who live in those states is a lot of the people who move from California to those states are Republican are identified as conservative and a lot of them come from cities that would relate to a relate to the average person that might be from a small city in texas or utah or idaho i've met a lot of people from lodi california from placerville california if you don't know what those cities are that's a good example see most cities that you've never heard of and if you don't most cities in california that you've never heard of they're usually republican just being for real like those cities like placerville um, markleyville these are real cities i'm not making this name up Markleyville, Placerville, Lodi, cities like that, they are mostly Republican areas. But people who come from those cities, they like to move out there because they feel like they're more amongst people who they can identify with. You know, one guy was telling me, he's like, you know, I'll move from Placerville to um, to Ida, to Montana. And they thought when I told him I was from California that I was going to be like some hippie or something like that. But I was like, bro, like I'm from Placerville. Like I grew up in the mountains. I grew up hunting. Like, it's what are you talking about? So, you know, it's interesting I think I think I think we have to we can sum this up as saying generalizations are always wrong. There's no generalization that's true. Now there's some I know on my podcast and on a lot of my videos I make like broad not be joking but I make like broad anal- analyzations of groups. But reality is there's no one group where everybody in not all of one thing 
there's there's nothing this there's no what how can I say this? There's no group where all of one is the same. There is no group like that. You can just see it in our household, you know. How many of us grew how many of us grew up in households where you had four or five or six of siblings and none of y'all act alike? None of y'all act alike, you know. How many of you of us know sets of twins in our families who the twin is one twin is is smart, went to Harvard, got a degree as a lawyer for Barack Obama or something like that, and the other one's a Hell's Angel member somewhere in, in, in God dang Salinas, California. Like just being for real. It's 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 interesting. So there's no there's no group where all of one thing is the same. That's just impossible. That's not rocking like that. Um and I think if we but then it's kind of hard because when you have groups coming in as outsiders, I think whenever you have that situation where like it's the outsiders, the them versus us situation, you're always going to have some misunderstandings. You're always going to have beefs and generalize them and say, like, for example, I don't want any of these mother efforts from Denver, Colorado coming here because, you know, like I said, that situation with uh, with the with the the um the people from New Orleans after the Hurricane Katrina incident. That was a real situation. If you live down south, you know how real, how grimy it was getting down there. Like, it was it was bad, man. I don't know. You know, that's one of those places. You know, even before Katrina, Louisiana has always been one of the poorest states in, in the country. But that situation made it, it just made it worse, man. You know, um, it made it worse. And I got love for people from New Orleans. I got love for you guys. Like I said, I'm half New Orleanian. My father's from New Orleans. Got land out there to this day. I love my people. I love my clan. But at the same time, I understand, you know. Same thing I say about people from Oakland. You know, I love Oakland. I think Oakland is one of the few, like, true meccas of black culture that we have in California. But I will say, I will say, you know, when I just had this conversation, I will say, you know, there are a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of cities in Northern California that would be a lot safer. That would be a lot safer. Had it not been from certain people from East Oakland, West Oakland, moving to these certain streets, trying to take over and start dope dealing gangs. Those of y'all from Sacramento and Stockton, y'all know what I'm talking about. I will not. Most of y'all from Sacramento more than that knows what I'm talking, what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get into specifics and name people's families because, you know, we're not doing that on this podcast. But y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to get specific. But I will say. Sure was a lot safe. Sacramento was sure a lot safer before y'all. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me not get into it. Let me not get into it. I'm 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 being peaceful now. I'm being peaceful. I'm not even not even gonna blame the people who should be. Bl- I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. But man, shout out to the shout out to y'all, bro. Y'all 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 cool people. Um, this next topic might be a little bit dark. But I got to talk about it because I feel like CNN, I feel like Fox, I feel like, you know, a lot of these media companies, they only talk about race issues when it's something where I feel like they can do a whole seven day media run and get people feeling sorry and how, like, I feel like a lot of the liberal news only likes to tell stories about situations where there's injustice and nothing's not being done by the situation because, you know. Outrage, outrage, outrage garners more views. But I do want to talk about this because this was a situation where I felt like justice was perfectly served in the end. Not initially, but in the end. Um, 
the um, the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. For those of you guys who have forgot who that was, for those of you guys who don't know who Ahmad is, Ahmad is not only just a character from the famous black TV series Soul Food in the 1990s. Ahmad Arbery was a young 25-year-old man. Y'all might have seen this story two years ago. He was jogging in a Georgian neighborhood, and there were these three white men who tried to do a citizen's arrest. And how they tried to perform the citizen's arrest was while he was jogging in the neighborhood, they chased him in a pickup truck with rifles. They caught up to him. They chased him for five minutes. Round of applause for him for running for five minutes. I read that he was a football player in high school. That's that's a very that was a very he. I want to see what his forty yard dash was, but um, he ran for five minutes. They caught him towards the end of one of the streets. They hopped out on him. He's tried to fight back to defend himself, and they shot him, shot him to death. While the other one of the guys was driving, it was two pickup trucks. I'm sorry, I forgot to uh, mention that. One of the other guys was sitting in the other pickup truck and recording the whole situation on his phone. Now, their their basis for doing this was because there had been robberies in the area and there was actually a home in that neighborhood that was being constructed. And they saw him walk in the home and he was caught on camera walking in the home, looked around and just walked out. It was a home being constructed at the time. Now, the reason why some people said that despite the fact that you saw him walk in an empty home that was being constructed at the time and while it was racist was because, and for those of us who live in Central Valley, we know this, on camera, you see like eight or nine different other families walking in that home and looking around. You know what the only difference was between him and them? He was white. I mean, he was black and they were white. It is legal to do a citizen's arrest in Georgia. It is legal to do a citizen's arrest in Georgia. The way they went about it and without the prior basis of everything, it just was horrific. The interesting thing to me about the situation was when he was killed, they didn't go to jail. When they killed him, those two men were out of jail. And for those who who can uh, correct me on the length of time, I want to say it was two to three months. They were just chilling and the local law, the local law enforcement was aware of this, but they just were chilling and kicking it. They had all seen the video, but they saw nothing wrong with it. The reason why a story like this is, um, it hurts me, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it, and at the same time, the reason why I'm happy that justice is done, but it also brings up some things I also want to talk about is, um, the three men. It was three men involved. One was a former, a former, he had retired prior to this situation, was a former police officer for the local police department there, which kind of explains how they just stay out of jail. Other dude was his son, and the third person was just some dumb dude with who was recording the situation with his phone. All three of those men were sentenced to life in jail. I should also know that the dude who was recording it on his phone, he sent it to the um, he sent it. I forgot. He sent it to like a few people for evidence. And in his brain, he thought that that's it, that that video proved that they were innocent. And they were that they were in the right. They thought it would. They thought a video of two pickup trucks of men with, with rifles chasing a dude, a 25 year old man down the street jogging. They thought that that and them hopping out the car and shooting them. They thought that he thought that that was proof that they were in the right. Just the way seeing that that person thought in that situation lets me know how backwards minded some people think in these areas in the world. 
just the fact that these men, these men were out, these men had had no charges pressed against them, were walking around the community just safe and completely clear for months. The only reason all those men are in jail right now is because once that video got out, outside of that small county and people started pressing them and then even the Georgia the government Georgia government started pressing them then it was like okay now we got to do something that really I mean really 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 pissed me off that it took Twitter people tweeting on Instagram to force the Georgia government the first first Georgia law enforcement as a whole to press down on that county and to finally arrest those men and have some due process take place. It really, it and, I, and I'm a, it really, and I as I get older, I always think about this. It really sickens me to my soul, and it really hurts my heart sometimes how evil human beings can be unless they're being criticized about their actions. It just sickens me sometimes. It sickens me sometimes how, how, and, and I'm not judging because I'm not trying to judge, but it's just hard. It's, you know, I used to always give this parallel when I used to talk about the um, the Bible. I used to always say that human morality, the thought process that I should not kill my mama. I should not kill this kid. I should not rob. I should not steal the uh, steal the elote, steal elotes in the corn from the guy who's selling from the elote cart on the street in Wilson Way in Stockton. I don't know why I got so specific with that. That thought process is not natural, and you can tell because there are laws against all those activities. There are laws against robbery. There is a laws against murder. There's a laws against child rape and everything like that. Bring all that up because. There are there are very few laws in this world that were made to stop an activity from happening that wasn't already happening a lot. And I used to always say this with the Bible. You got to really think how bad you have to really think how bad, how bad the world was back in the in B.C. times for people to have to make a law that says thou shalt not kill. And let me be clear, any society that you go to, be it from the history of time has always at a certain point had to had to establish those laws. So you have to really think how bad human morality was 2000, 3000, however, whatever timeline Neil deGrasse Tyson says we were born. You have to really think how bad, how bad society was at those times for you to have to make laws to say that. So I bring this up because it really hurts me, bro. Like to think like there are people, cause I'm going to tell you something. Those we're all I'm happy that those three men are in jail and they're sentenced to life. But I can tell you where they're from, where they're at. People, people probably think that they were done wrongly. People think that the men who were sentenced to life in jail for basically modern day lynching a man, they probably feel like they were being done a very, very unfair blow. They feel like they were done terribly. And I feel like they can go to hell, you know, just to be real with you, bro. But at the same time, I understand, you know. Bro, as I get older, as I get older, man, I um, as I get older, I really sometimes don't know what what is right and what's what is wrong. I had a conversation one time with somebody about um, about um, pedophiles, and like I was telling him, 
I per I've never had sex with a woman who was under the age of eight. Well, not the age of twenty to be honest with you. But I've never had a sex with a woman who's under eighteen. But bringing this up because I think that's wrong. And I was telling like I was telling him, it is something to be said about how that's a law in California. And once again, when I say this, we're not. This is not a kiss California's ass conversation. I'm just having a hard conversation with people to under for people to understand. I think that's wrong because I was born in California where the age of consent is 18. There are a lot of states you go to. I want to say Georgia is one of them where the age of consent is 16. And I also brought up a lot of these countries around the world. The age of consent can be 13, 14. I want to say the law, the lowest ages of consent are in Nigeria, which is 14. I want to say and then Philippines is 11 is it's somewhere in that area out in those countries. Now, that is fucking insane to me. I don't even, I don't even know how you, I, I don't even know how your dick can get hard looking at a fucking person that age. But that is, those are the standards in a lot of places in the world, which makes me look at our country, makes me think, am I just, am I just wrong? Is it the way we thinking crazy? Is it just like, like the scariest thing about the 21st century, and this is where I think a lot of people get uncomfortable with Democrats and conservatives bringing it back to politics. We have to really understand that there are a lot of people in this world who think different than us, than all our little groups, than all of our little groups. See, see beforehand, see beforehand, like, like I always hear people say this, man, the world, like you can't say anything now. People always, people, there's no free speech now. No free speech still exists. Free speech still exists. It's just that we live in a time now where there are more people who have voices that would naturally disagree with you. And I think it's hard because it's, you have to be willing to stand on your own and be willing to be disagreed with. But also you have to have to really walk the line of knowing when what I'm saying is wrong to is wrong to. It's hard, bro. You know, I can tell you it's hard. It's hard to really. It's hard to really follow a true sense of morality in this world. All you can really do, like I always try to do, is I just try to be respectful and aware of everybody's preferences and interactions. I do it with the littlest things. If I talk to a girl at the club, if I talk to a girl at the bar, I try my hardest to be to be aware of the fact that, hey, let me make sure she's cool. Let me make sure she's not. That's a big interaction. Let me make sure she's cool. Let me make sure she she. I'm not pressuring her. I'm making her feel uncomfortable because. I go to the club a lot. Like a lot of y'all, if y'all know me, I go to the club a lot. I go to the bar hopping every weekend. And it's interesting to see, you know, in a lot of situations where you see women and they talk about how, um, you know, this guy did this to me or this guy did that to me. Or um, let me be more specific because I feel like that's a vague response. You know, this guy molested me or this guy sexually harassed me at work or he said this to me or he touched me or he made me feel uncomfortable. And men, our natural reaction is always, well, why didn't you just slap him? Or why didn't you punch him? Why didn't you report him? Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> I really don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to say it, man. I've been sexually harassed before a few times. You're not saying I'm the best looking guy in the world, but you know, I feel like I'm a cute nigga. And when you're in those situations, bro, 
I can't relate it totally towards a woman, but I can tell you, I've been at the club and a guy ran up to me and kissed me on my face. I just pushed him off. Now, I pushed him off. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, no, man, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm Latin. I'm not, my Latin accent is terrible. No, man, I'm Latin. You know, I'm just unpassioned. I was like, nigga, yeah, but I'm not gay. I'm like, what the fuck? No, nigga, don't touch me. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I remember one time, yo, I was working at this. I used to do security for this company, and um, we used to we used to do security for the residential condos. They had a gym in the residential condo building, and I used to, I would come when I would come from where I was at. I would go there and take a shower there. I walked in the shower room one time, and I was getting undressed. This guy walked in. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why he said I'm sorry because the shower room was a big room for everybody." He walked in. He walked back out, and he walked back in and said, "I just want to say you're a very attractive. No, you're a very hot guy." And I was like. Okay, thank you. So, when he walked back out this time, he turned off the light in the shower room. I was like, okay, what the fuck is he doing? I was like, I don't know what it is, what it is. I got in the shower, and the shower is one of those showers where it has a glass door that you can close. The dude walked up to the shower door. He put his face against the shower door, put his hands against the shower door, and start taking off his clothes and grab the handle and try to come in. And I said, hey, man, what the fuck you doing? And he would, well, I said, like, hey. And he, he got all his clothes. He went, he stopped with all his clothes and ran off into the night. And when that happened, bro, you know, I can tell you, I told my coworkers about it. And I, when they, I didn't tell my boss about it because I didn't want nothing to happen. One of my coworkers, me being, of course, he's going to run his mouth and say how I almost got raped. And he told his coworker, he told my boss, and my boss was like, you know, do you want to file a complaint? And I was honestly like, I was like, no, bro, I don't want to. And he's like, why? And I was like, Bro, because I don't feel like, I don't want to tell niggas that I almost, like, a nigga was trying to fuck me, you know. I just feels weird. I, I just feel weird, bro. I, like, I don't want to tell niggas no shit like that. And a nigga was going to try to, this feels weird, bro. So, when you're in situations like that, bro, it just feels really uncomfortable, you know. I, so, I can't speak to every experience that a woman has, but I can say I've been in that situation before, and uh, it, it, it feels, you're not always going to react like that. From a woman's perspective, it's a little bit different because in both of those situations, I could pretty much, I'm pretty sure, beat both those dudes in the fight. That second dude, I ain't going to lie, the guy from the shower, that was a big nigga. That was a big nigga. I don't know if I could have took him in a fight. But um, I can just tell you, I can just tell you, it was, it was, I can understand where women feels. Yo, when I went to the club last night, there was these girls who, who were, there was this one girl, she was. She had a body. She had a body. I left her alone because she had her mask on in the club. That let me know right then. She probably didn't want to be bothered. I watched five guys for f- for 30 minutes just surround this girl and just keep around her for the club, even though she pretty much made it clear she didn't want to be bothered. And they it was it was weird. Like they got so close to her, I was like, like they were just around her like a bee amount, like a, a honey, like a bee on a hive. Like, and it was like. You could look at her and tell she was like, bro, I like, and it's crazy because she probably deals with that every single day. Every single day. I think there's no way to really tell. I think you just have to be conscious of people's. I think you just have to really be respectful of people's boundaries and be respectful. I think the hardest thing in America, in America period, we have to really know when we're making somebody feel uncomfortable because a lot of times with Americans, we won't let that be known. I feel uncomfortable a lot of times with people and I don't let them know. A lot of times just because I don't want to cause issues. I remember when I was in the club last night, I was walking through and 
it was packed and this one guy kept bumping into me and the dude behind me he was like he he was like he was like bro you know you you a pretty buff nigga bro you can push past these niggas and like i told him i was like bro i'm not doing that man i'm not trying to cause no issues he's like well i was like bro i'm just not that dude man i'm not that guy i'm not that guy just leave it alone just leave it alone so and let me be clear i've sweated a girl before there was one girl i remember at the club i when i one of the clubs i worked at i was just trying to talk to her the hardest i was just so attracted to her and her girl even told me, I ain't going to lie to her, her friend told me, hey, you need to chill out. You know, my girl, she do have a man's. And I was like, okay, I understand. I didn't touch her or anything like that. I ain't trying to touch her no crazy like that. But I was just trying to talk. I was doing the most. I was trying to talk to her like the whole night while I was working. I'm not even going to, not even going to front. I'm not even going to front. So I can understand that. But at the same time, we have to understand that in those situations, we're making her feel, a woman feel uncomfortable because reality is to see, I'm a pretty big dude. So I can tell you. It might feel uncomfortable if a girl doesn't want. It probably feels really uncomfortable if a girl doesn't want me, and my big six one, two twenty ass is just hovering over her, trying to talk to her. That probably feels kind of intimidating and kind of like scary. That's why, and that happened like a year ago. But that's why I always try to like moments like that. Always try to make me aware and say, "Hey, this woman might feel uncomfortable with this, un- uncomfortable with this situation. This girl woman might feel uncomfortable. You know, you know. That's all I say. You know." It is what it is. Um, that, um, you know, I think that was a pretty good episode. That was a pretty good episode of the podcast. Um, I'm going to end the podcast with this. Thank you to all the new listeners of the podcast. Thank you to all the people who have been tuning in. I appreciate your guys' presence. Uh, I just want to say, you know, the podcast, we're going to keep this thing going. It has a new energy right now. It has new energy. It has new wings. I'm going to keep this going on to the end. Much love and peace to everybody. This is the Greatest Voice Podcast. Thank you for listening.